worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Amen. Praise God. Let me just say thank you for all of the kind words and whoever got the videos. It was very surprising. Thank you. All of that and uh, all of the kind words. Appreciate it. I'm not one of those who hates birthdays because I think it's better than the alternative. Amen. And so we thank God for his grace and his mercy and for his many provisions. Amen. Yes. Praise God. I was blessed yesterday morning whenever I came in and, and uh, seen all of the folks who went to the Greenbrier and worked there and provided for our giveaway here at Christmas time. And the thing that blessed me the most is the multi-generational group that went. We had seniors, young adults. We had students went. We had some from the um, the, the little kids that went. And uh, from what I understand, they had an awesome time down there. And uh, it's going to enable us to be able to make an impact in this region by giving away those gifts to underprivileged children or somebody that's just having a tough time. Yesterday we learned of a family whose house burnt down and so we're going to bless them, their children, with some gifts uh, for Christmas and just show the love of God. Amen. And so I want to thank you as pastor. It's just a joy to be able to see that taking place and real ministry is taking place. A lot of times we get caught up on what goes on on Sunday and Sundays are good. But how many know that we need to do ministry through the week? Amen. And, and love those that are uh, that feel like nobody loves them and care about those who feel like they have no care and allow the presence of God to change their lives for real. That's what real ministry is all about. Amen. Praise God. And so thank you so much. Amen. Uh, can we turn up the lights, uh, please? there. I want to talk to you for a few moments this morning on the subject. That's what the altar is for. That's what the altar is for. Pastor Jamie spoke of the scripture in second Chronicles chapter five, verse 13. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and the singers were as one Notice there is a cause and effect to everything. And when they were at one, say unity. Unity always brings the presence of God, brings a commanded blessing. And when they, uh, the trumpeters and the singers were as one and made one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets, and the symbols and the instruments of music and praise the Lord saying for he is good for his mercy endures forever and when they had praised the Lord saying he is good his mercy endures forever it says then that the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not continue to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house that don't just happen it happened because they came together 
It happened because as one voice they unified themselves and worshiped God. It happened because as they worshiped, it drew God to that place. And we worship because we think God is in the place. But I submit to you, there will be no God if there is no worship. It is our worship. Our worship is not a response to God's presence. Our our worship is an invitation for his presence to come. And we've got it all mixed up in our minds. But I want to tell you that when you find yourself, if you want to ask, did we really worship here today? To find the end to that answer, you don't have to ask how many songs we sung or how excited people were. You ask yourself, did the presence of God show up? Because if the presence of God didn't show up, we didn't worship. Because he promised us he will inhabit the praises of his people. And wherever people come together in unity and wherever people will lift up their voice and worship him, God will show up and reveal his power in that place. Amen. Isaiah chapter 2. Your praise is poor today. still poor Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 1 the word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills And all nations shall flow to it, and many people shall come and say, Come, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob. And it says, And he will teach us his ways, and he, we shall walk in his paths, for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Hallelujah. I want to talk to you today about the altar. That's what the altar is for. Father, in our next few moments today, I pray that you would honor your word in this house. God, that you would help us to be sensitive to your presence, sensitive to your word and your anointing that is able to transform and change our lives. Let us hear today, Father, have ears to hear, a heart to receive, and a will to draw near to your changing word. And God, we give you praise and give you glory for this today in the matchless name of Jesus. And amen. Amen. I want to talk to you about the altar. Somewhere in the past few years, we've got a negative mindset about the altar. Uh, It used to be a place where people came to meet with God. But today it seems that you say, well, pastor, I don't have a negative mindset about the altar, but we haven't said that, but yet in our actions says that. Because people don't want to come to the altar anymore. People have said, well, I just don't need to do that. But let me tell you that if you have outgrown coming to the altar, 
you need to reevaluate your relationship with God. Throughout history, people came to the altar to meet with God. It was the place of meeting. It was the place that God would speak to his people. It wasn't, you see, we, uh, it hasn't been till the past few years, and, and I say few years in, in uh, this century, that we have made the altar about sinners. That if somebody wants to receive Christ, if somebody wants their life changed, then they are the ones who have to come to the altar. Uh, If somebody receives Christ and then comes back to the altar, that means they've sinned and got to repent. So the altar has become about a place only of people coming to repent of their sins and have their hearts and their lives changed. And so we have got this negative mindset that that only sinners come. If you backslide or you've done something wrong, then you need to go to the altar. But the altar is just not for that one who is in right relationship with God. And And we have a negative tendency because the Spirit of God can fill the house. The word of God can be right on, the the worship can be set, and yet people, even uh, people that love God, have a struggle to come to the altar. If we don't think it, we say it with our actions, that the altar is just a place that I go when I have messed up. But can I tell you this morning that the real reason that people don't go to the altar is because we have allowed pride to come into our hearts. And we've become too proud to humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God. We have become so prideful and and so uh, even if we don't know it, we become allowed pride to come into our hearts until we're afraid what people will think. They because we've got this mindset, right? Only sinners go to the altar. And so now we've allowed that to filtrate into our hearts that we're afraid to go to the altar, even though we, we've heard the word, even though the word was for us, even though the promise was pointed directly to us by the Holy Spirit. And yet we refuse to respond because of the opinions of somebody. I submit to you that you should not fear someone who is not able to save you. The opinions of people will only last for a moment or for a fleeting second. But you see, you've got to get free from the expectations of people if you're going to serve God. You've got to be free from the opinions of men and the, and the, and the thoughts of what have happened. Who cares what somebody thinks about you if they are not connected to your destiny? Who cares what they think about you if they are not able to help you in the time of your need? And so it is God and he alone but we've allowed, that is able to help man and deliver us and give us direction and provide our needs for us. But somehow we've got this negative mindset that this, the altar is the last resort. Whenever nothing else will work, whenever we're at the end of our life's rope, then and only then, even the church... 
It's the last place that we want to go. It's quiet up in here today. You see, when in fact throughout the Bible, the altar was more for the believer than it was the sinner. Yes, it is true that David would build an altar and cry out for repentance. But throughout all of scripture, you see that when mankind would want to meet with God, he would build an altar. And it was at the altar that they would get direction. It was at the altar that God would speak to them and provide for them. It was at the altar where they would worship God and they would praise him and give him thanks for what he had already done. Amen. We've made it about the lost, but coming to Jesus. But more than that, it is a place to meet with God. It is that contact that the little woman that had the issue of blood said in herself, when I touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole, right? That's what the altar's for. It's a point of release that says my faith is this, that I'm going to go to the altar. And when I go to, that's where I'm going to meet with God. That's where his presence is going to give me divine direction. That is where his will is going to be defined in my life. That's where my purpose is going to become pointed. When I get there, that's where God is going to release his word into my life and I will be transformed forever. It is that point of release. It's not a negative place. It isn't some place that we should shun or reject. It's a place we should run to. Amen. The Bible said the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into it. And they are safe. Amen. Whenever storms are coming in our life, we should run to his presence. Whenever trouble is around us, we should run into his presence. When we're confused and frustrated with life, there should be no struggle. We should run into his presence. Amen. The songwriter said, where will I run when there's no place to run to? Who will I talk to when nobody wants to listen? I'll go to the rock, the rock that is able. I'll go to the rock. You've got to run into his presence and say in his presence I find fullness of joy in his presence yes while God is everywhere at the same time it is where we come and meet him at that altar you should not just have an altar here but you should have an altar at your home you should have an altar at your workplace you ought to have somewhere because you see it isn't good enough just to come and meet with God once a week We should have an altar where we say, this is where I meet with God. This is my divine place of appointment. Amen. No matter uh, what the, the problems are, no matter what the situation is, we need to understand that in this uh, society and in this time, whenever the altar has become a negative mindset, we as the church need to understand it is more than a place of repentance, but it is a place where we meet with God. More than that, it's a place of salvation, but it's also a place of worship. It's a place just to come and talk to him. You read the story in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, how Solomon built this temple to God's glory. 
His father David had gathered all of the materials for him, but God said there's too much blood on your hands. And so he gathers the materials, but it's Solomon that oversees the erection of the building. Amen. It is a beautiful place. There is no expense spared. There's wood overlaid with gold. There's silver, there's ironwork. The wood is of the most valuable of its time. It would cost billions of dollars to erect Solomon's temple in this day. But you see, he was giving the very best that he had to God. But the Bible says that the glory cloud fills the house and no one was able to stand in the presence of God. The Bible says that it filled the house, but it was not because of the gold. It was not because of the silver. It wasn't because of the beautiful architectural work and design of the building. It wasn't because of the wood that drew God to this place. But it said that when it came to pass, that they came together as one. And they lifted up their voice as one. And they began to worship God as one. That the cloud of his glory then came into the house. Praise God. You see, whenever we come to this place, thank God, I believe that we ought to have the most beautiful place in the region. Amen. God ought to be honored with a building. It ought to not be falling down. It ought not look like it's been, you know, abandoned and we just crawled up in it. And don't God's place should look beautiful. Amen. It be, why? Because man looks at the outward. And if they look at this place and it looks like it's falling down, they think we've got a propped up God that don't have any power, don't have any authority. But man looks at it from the outward, but God looks on what's going on in here. And he says, do I have anybody coming together in unity? Do I have anybody that's worshiping my name? He's not drawn to this place because of its beautifulness. He's drawn to this place because he's got a people that will lift up their voice that will praise his name and say, God, you are worthy and I'm not ashamed to worship you. Hallelujah. We need some real men that will stand up and learn how to praise God in the house of God again. We need some men that will praise God so their children will know this is how you act when the presence of God shows up. Don't be ashamed. Amen. You want to be a real man? Learn how to lift up your hands. Learn how to open your mouth. Throw your head back and give God some praise when you experience his presence. Amen. We need some real mamas. Amen. That'll teach our children how to pray. Amen. Teach our children how to glorify God and say we're coming to the house of God. This is where we meet with him. Yes, he's everywhere, but this is our ordained suspect the specific place that we set aside every Sunday, every Wednesday. We come here and corporately we come into his presence and we worship him and give him glory and give him praise. There is a generation that's coming behind us that don't even know how to respond to the presence of God. Don't even know when God shows up how to act. And it's because we don't praise him 
when he shows up. We act like all that, we've, we've felt that before. It becomes, the, the supernatural becomes natural. And we just settle in. And we just go through the motions. And so, in this world, we've become unmoved. In America today, you can watch in the world, and you can watch a war going on on TV and cities being blown up and people dying. And while we're eating a steak at our table and saying, oh, that looks bad. And keep on eating. And we're not moved. We've learned how to be desensitized to where nothing moves us. To where nothing does anything for us. And so now we come into the house of God. And the God of glory can show up. And we can't even get as excited as we do at a football game. We, 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 get, we can't get excited as we do for a good sale going on. Huh? And we get satisfied and desensitized to the place that we don't worship the king of glory. There's something wrong. At this hint of his presence, we ought to have our hands raised. At the hint of him possibly showing up, we ought to, just like a party, we are, we're not here to mourn the death of our leader every Sunday, but we're here to celebrate his resurrection. Amen. And so at the hint of him showing up, at the anticipation of him showing up, come on somebody, we ought to be up in this house before he ever gets here, before you ever sense his presence and say, come on, we got to get ready. The king of glory is about to enter in. Amen. We've got to get our hearts ready and begin to worship and praise his name. And as a result of us worshiping and praising him, guess what? Lift up your head, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, you everlasting doors, for the king of glory is coming in. Who is this king of glory? He's the Lord strong and mighty. He's the Lord mighty in battle. He is the king of glory. And when we'll praise him, he'll show up every time. Oh, come on and praise him this morning. When people will begin to praise him, God's glory will fill the house. Amen. The altar is a place of thanksgiving. When David brought the Ark of the Covenant back, he stopped every six paces, built an altar, offered up a sacrifice, and said, I'm sure somebody in that group of millions of people said, don't you think this is just a little too much? You're killing all of our sheep, David. Don't you think this is a little extravagant? I mean, for real, it's going to get dark before we get back to the new capital city. Don't you think this, but David said, yeah, but do you remember what it was like without his presence? Do you remember how we tried to make it happen without him and we couldn't get anything done? 
And so it was in that mindset that David every six paces would stop and build an altar and give a sacrifice and say, God, I want to thank you for your presence. I want to thank you that you are with us. Amen. The altar is a place of thanksgiving where David brought the ark of God back. It was representing his presence where his presence was is where God would reveal his power and his glory. We've got to learn how to come to the altar just to give him praise. Just to thank him. You remember the ten lepers that were that was sick? And the Bible said they came to Jesus, but only one of them returned to give him thanks. We've all been lepers. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all been in a mess in our lives. But do we still return? Oh, pastor, it was 30 years ago. I didn't ask you how long ago. How long has it been since you returned to give him thanks? That he brought you out of a horrible pit, set your feet on a solid and a firm foundation, established your coming in and your going out, gave you a name and praise God and blessed you and said, you're my son, you're my daughter, my righteousness is in you. I make you righteous. I make you holy. I feel you full of my power and my anointing. How long has it been since we just come to give him thanks? Give him praise. Don't need anything. Just want to thank you for what you've already done. Want to thank you. For your presence. Because your presence is what I need. I don't, I don't come to the altar for answers. I don't come to the altar for direction. I don't come to the altar to, to, for this, that. I come for your presence. And if I come seeking you and I get your presence, then I get answers. I get direction. I find purpose because in your presence there's fullness of joy. In your presence I receive everything that I need in my life. But you see, this is not the first time that man had met with God in this place. Man had been meeting with God in this very place. That David or Solomon built the temple. Generations had been meeting with God in this very place. Second Samuel chapter 10, or excuse me, chapter 24 and verse 10. And it's a little lengthy in reading, but I want to read it so you'll get the full impact. And David's heart condemned him after he had numbered the people. You remember this? Up until this time, David had his trust in God. And now he starts numbering uh, uh, Israel and Judah. There's 500,000 in Judah, 800,000 in Israel. Amen. And he has this, has this number of people. And now David's heart. He says, so David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. But now I pray, O Lord, take away the iniquity of your servant that I have done 
uh, very foolishly. And now when David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, uh, David's seer, saying, Go to tell David, thus saith the Lord, I offer you three things. Choose one of them for yourself, that I may do it. So Gad came to David and told him and said, uh, Shall seven years of famine come to you in the land, or shall you flee uh, three months before your enemies, or uh, while they pursue you, or there's three days of plague in the land? And now consider, um, consider and see what answer I should take back to him who sent me. Verse 18, and Gad came that day to David and said to him, go up and wreck the altar to the Lord and the threshing floor of Onan, the Jezbesite. So David, according to the word of Gad, went up as the Lord commanded. Then uh, Onan said, why has the Lord, the king of that has come to his servant? And David said, to buy the threshing floor from you, to build an altar to the Lord, that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. And now Onan Orna said to David, let my Lord, the king, take the offering up whatever seems good to him. And look, here are the oxen, the sacrifice, the threshing implements, the yoke and the oxen for wood. And all these king Ornan had given to the king. And then he said to the king, may the Lord your God accept you. Then the king said to Ornan, no. But I will surely buy it from you for a price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that, that which cost me nothing. So David brought, bought the threshing floor of the ox and the 50 shackles of silver. And David built an altar to the Lord, an offering, burnt offering and, and peace offering. So the Lord heeded the prayers of the land and the plague was withdrawn from Israel. In this very spot is where Solomon built the temple. God was not drawn to the building. He was not drawn to the place because of the beautiful facility. He was not drawn to it because there was an altar built, but he was drawn there because there was an altar built to God. David had seen been disobedient in counting the people of Israel and putting his trust in numbers instead of putting his trust in God. And the seer comes and says, you've got three choices, David. You have seven years of famine. You can have three months of your enemies chasing you or you can have three days of a plague that's going to come across the land. And David said, let me fall into the hands of a just God. He takes the three days of plagues and the Bible said that the angel comes through the land and it comes through and I believe it's 70,000 people die. It's coming through the land and death is coming. The plague is coming upon them for three days. And then the angel comes to this place where an altar has been built. The land here was a place that had been given to God. Now watch this. Ornan and his four sons were threshing wheat on the side of this mountain. 
The side of the mountain is not the ordinary place to thresh wheat. You thresh wheat at the bottom of the mountain on the field where that it is easy to thresh the wheat. And, but yet there was a sacrifice. They take the wheat to the top of the mountain or the side of the mountain. And on this mountain they thresh the wheat. Ornan and his four sons are threshing the wheat on the side of this mountain. And it is at the place of, of where they are threshing this wheat, where an altar is built, that when the death, the angel comes, when the plagues come, and they come to this place, it is stopped in its tracks. They built that altar of sacrifice to God. And Ornan and his four sons, five men, five, the number of grace. And when judgment came and found grace on the altar, it stopped judgment in its tracks. David comes to this place of grace and he says, I want to buy this place where the altar has been erected. I want to buy this place where grace has been found. I want to establish the house of the Lord on the side of this mountain. Hallelujah. Amen. What is it that gives David this, this, this desire? It's because this is a place of the altar. This is a place of meeting of God. This is a place where grace has been revealed before grace ever showed up in the earth. And David's a man, you know, he was, he was a leader. Leaders always are out of time. They're, they're, they're running ahead of others and, and people think they're strange and people think they're weird because they're running ahead. It's not that they're out of sync or out of order. They're just preparing the way. And David is about to prepare a way. You see, he was the first one that didn't bring a, a sheep or a lamb or a dove into the presence of God. He said, I found out all God's want is a sacrifice of praise he was before his time he was understanding something that was about to come and he understands this is a place of grace and this is where we're going to build the temple and now Ornan in his kindness and graciousness says to David I'll give it to you and David had enough sense to know you don't bring God something that you don't pay full price for. He wasn't looking for a blue light special. Amen. I don't mind asking for the church. But I get sick of poor mouth preachers. I'd rather be known as a liar than a cheapskate. Amen. David said, I'm not going to bring God nothing that don't cost me anything because if it hasn't cost me anything, there's no value in it. So don't give me, thank you for your gesture. Thank you for your kindness, but I'm not looking for a blue light special. I'm not looking for a half price sale. This is for God. And if it don't cost me nothing, it won't mean anything to me. So therefore, thank you, but I'll pay full price for it. Hallelujah. He pays full price for it. And God, David prepares a place. He has an altar, a man in the place of grace. 
because he's willing to pay the price and now he not only finds a, 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 a deliverance and not, doesn't just find peace and doesn't just find forgiveness, but he finds grace for another generation. This is the same place that Isaiah saw in chapter 2. Not only was Onan there, not only was David there, not only was Solomon there to worship God at the altar, but Isaiah in chapter 2 seen this place. On the side of the mountain, on the top of the mountains, the Bible said that his house shall be established. Amen. And notice when this place was established that the Bible says in chapter 2 that the river, the place where the rivers flowed upward. Rivers flowed upward. Gravity causes rivers to flow downward. But the gravitational pull of worship is so strong that it supersedes the natural gravity and causes that which should flow downward to begin to flow upward. It causes rivers that should be going downhill to start coming up the hill. And when it comes up, it brings resources with it. That's the reason we need to go to the altar. That's the reason why we need to be at this place and not ashamed. It's not a place that that we ought to hold off or we ought to put in a negative mindset. But it is a place that where we meet with God and our worship goes up to him. And that which should not take place naturally starts being drawn to us. Out of our worship, it reverses that gravitational pull. And our worship begins to draw to us the resources that we need. It'll draw to us our worship. will draw us, amen, that job that we need. It'll bring the resources. It'll bring that gravitational pull of our worship. will cause people to come into our life that we need when we need them. That gravitational pull of worship will bring God into our midst. Amen. And he will begin to work in our lives. The Bible said not only will it bring the resources, but he said the nations will come into it. Nations, nationalities. Different people groups will be drawn. Not because we got a beautiful building. Not because we got food or games or toys to give away. All of that's good. We do that. But that's not the reason they're drawn. They're drawn because this is an altar to God. This is a place of grace. This is a place that we have sacrificed and we have given our very best. And it has drawn the presence of God with our worship until that which normally would not come to us is now coming to us. And even the nations will come. 
Why? Because there's an altar built and at the altar there is worship going up and that which is going away from you suddenly starts being drawn to you because of your worship. Resources come. Nations come. People come. We don't come to the altar for another word. We come to the altar for his presence. And in his presence, we receive everything that we need. You see, in the midst of the plague hitting the land, David didn't run and hide from society. He ran to God and he repented at the altar and he worshiped at the altar and God stopped the plague in the nation. If you don't know it, truth has fallen in the street in our nation. Morality is gone in our nation. And the church is the only one that's got the censor in their hand that is able to stop the plague. But we're afraid to go to the altar. Mr. Obama can't fix it. You can go out of here and you can find you another church and say, Pastor, just as I'm politically correct and I don't give a rip. I'm telling you, this ain't about Democrats and Republicans. This is about good versus evil. This is about heaven and hell. This is about righteousness and unrighteousness. And the only one that's got the answer for our nation is not the White House. You can put whoever you want to in there. Our nation's beyond that. You hearing me? We put our trust in numbers like David did. Oh, if we can get the Republican in there, if we can get the Democrat, if we can get the Independent, the Tea Party, whatever, that ain't where our answer is, brothers and sisters. Our answer is still at the altar. And if God's people, if my people, which are called by my name, would get over their pride and humble themselves and come back to the altar and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, quit participating in man's system and get back on the system of God and say, God, I'm just going to bless you. I'm going to praise you. I'm, you're my trust is in the Lord because some have trusted in horses, others in chariots. But I remember the name of my Lord. I remember that you brought me out. I'm going to look into the hills from which cometh my help. My help is coming from God. You see, when we turn our hearts back toward him, 
run to the altar. We're the ones that's able to stop this plague. We're able to stop this immorality in our land. But we've got to rise up, run to the altar with our senses and say, God, here we are. We repent before you, but we want to come and thank you for what you have done. We worship you and we want you to touch our land. And it was at that place that the plague had to stop. Amen. I notice some, they'll say, Pastor is mad today. I ain't mad about nothing. Amen. I ain't got no dog in no fight. I ain't mad at nobody or no one. I'm just mad at the devil. And I'm kind of upset that the body of Christ has gotten so far from the God that we've served that we're afraid to come to a place where we humble ourselves and call on his name. Whenever we're the only ones that's got an answer for a messed up world. We're the ones that can stop the plague, stop the mess, and turn our nation back toward God. But we're afraid to humble ourselves. We don't come for another word. We come for his presence. Because if I get his presence, I get it all. I get his presence. I get his resources that I need. I get his presence. It'll draw people into my life that I need at the time I need them. In his presence, I receive signs, wonders, and miracles. In his presence, everything. Everything, everything, nothing missing, nothing broken. Everything I need is in him. I had another message today. It would have been happier for you. But I come today with the word of the Lord. I had to hurry up and get it organized and get it ready. But I come with a word in my mouth today to tell you God hasn't given us a national platform. I haven't, haven't, I ain't going to ride no hobby horses, but it's amazing to me how God will give men a national platform and then they shut their mouths. God hasn't given me and you a national platform Yet, who knows what the future, it isn't one of my goals, but if God does what he does, I'll try to be faithful in that. But he has given us a platform in this region. And I refuse to pastor a church that was afraid to come to the altar of God and stop the plagues that are going on in our region. We can't become controlled by the culture of the day where we're desensitized. And even when we come into the presence of a holy, omnipotent God, we act like it's nothing. We've got to be open to the very hint of his presence, honoring him, giving him glory, giving him the respect that he deserves. Amen. 
because we have been trained that even if you don't respect the person, you respect the position. And so if Mr. Obama was to come in here today and you didn't like him one iota, you would still stand and clap and put on a fake smile because he's the president of the United States. Don't tell me you wouldn't. You'd honor that position. But how much more important is the king of glory? Because he ain't never done you nothing but good. He's never let nobody down. You tell me God's let you down and I'll tell you you're a liar. Because you put your trust in God, God will not let you down. It may not happen the way you thought it was going to happen. It may not work out the way you thought, but I promise you, your best interest is at mind of God. And he hasn't let you down. How much more should we honor him and praise him? Well, I'm backward. I'm I'm just not that way, pastor. No, you're proud. Mom and dad can tell you they're here today. Glad to have you back. Amen. Here today, and uh, they can tell you that I am so introvert, and especially whenever I was small, and uh, I wouldn't look at people, wouldn't talk to people, was afraid I'd make friends after a while, and then I remember one of my best friends at church they were gone singing two or three weeks and whenever they come back I was afraid to even talk to him and uh, I fought that all my life and whenever God calls me to preach I said you got the wrong number here that may be a twin somewhere but you done messed up right here but God gave me a word in Jeremiah and he said don't fear the faces of the people he said, I'm gonna, it's not going to be your words, but it's going to be my words that come out of your mouth. And I've learned how to fight through the opinions of people. And stand, stand flat-footed and preach the word of God. And I do my very best to give him praise and give him glory. I'm not on a platform because I've got an ego problem. I'm here because I'm trying to live my life as a worship unto God. And say, God, you're worthy. And even though I may have to fight through my own struggles and things of my life, I'm going to give you the very best that I've got. So some people don't understand you. And they think that me not being an extrovert They think I'm stuck up. They think he thinks he's all that. He's pastor. He don't have to talk. And they they get it all mixed up. And Rick, sometimes you've just got to not worry about the expectations of people. And you've just got to give everything you've got to God. And that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. I'm in a place where I want you to like me, but if you don't, it's okay. I'm going to do my best to worship him. 
And that's the way we all should live our lives. It ain't all about me. If if you think it's the reason I'm telling you that, say, oh, look at Pastor No. I'm just telling you that we all have to be people that no matter what people think or their opinions may be and all of that, you've got to praise him. You've got to worship him. You've got to get it at that altar and give him the worship and the praise and the direction for your life that is needed for you and don't care about anybody else. used to be folks would come to the altar all the time. You remember those folks and they'd say, oh, they go to the altar. They get saved every revival. Ha ha. He he. They get saved every service. They're going to that altar every service. He he. But I thought to myself, even as a young boy, that's stupid. Because I'd rather be at the altar and get to heaven than to be afraid of the expectations of people and die and go to hell. But we get that mindset turned around to where the altars, where you go because you sin. Yes, it's a great place to go where you sin. But it's also an awesome place to go when you're hungry for his presence in your life. It's a great place to go when you want to go and worship him. And shut everybody else and everything else out of your life. And just come back as that one leopard and say, I want to thank you because I remember where I was. I had a death sentence over my life. And I came to you and you rescued me. And today, Jesus, I don't come asking you for nothing else. I just come to thank you for what you've already done for me. And God, the truth of it is, I thank you for everything that you've done. And I believe you'll do more for me. But if you don't, you've already done enough. That I'm going to thank you for the rest of my life. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me today? Father, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this wonderful congregation. Thank you for your presence that's here today. God, the holy hushes of heaven, the silence of our, your, this place. But God, we feel your presence so near us now. God, I pray today that you would help each and every one of us not to just come. Yes, we come for salvation. Yes, we come for direction. But let us not shun the place of meeting with you. Let us never go to a place where that we become prideful or we feel that we're beyond the place of responding to your word and responding to your presence. God, help us to be super sensitive. Let us be sensitive to your presence, sensitive to your direction, sensitive to your anointing. Awaken the spiritual sensitivity in us that we will give such a praise and a worship that like Isaiah saw, this last day house would have a supernatural gravitational pull that would pull in the nations, that would pull in the resources that will pull in the people. God, the river of God will flow upward into the house of God and healing and hope can be revealed in our lives again.
God, we bless you and we praise you today. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Pastor Jamie, just sing us a little something right here. This morning, this love on God, whatever you feel needful in your heart, that's what I want you to do. Just respond to him as you desire today. Feeling this place. 